Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It's Monday, February 8. I'm Tom Tilley, joined by Annika Smethurst. Morning, Tom, and today for our briefing topic, we'll take you to Russia. Yeah, people are taking to the streets, outraged about the arrest of a man who survived an underpant poisoning. Nadia from Pussy Riot will be on The Briefing to tell you about what's going on in Putin's Russia. First, let's get into the big news of the day. Another Melbourne hotel quarantine worker has caught COVID. The woman who's been working at the Holiday Inn at Melbourne Airport tested positive yesterday morning. Yeah, the news comes as the Australian Open gets underway today. Serena Williams, Novak Djokovic, Dominic Thiem and Nick Kyrgios are among the big names to tank the court. At this stage, the Grand Slam will be running at 50% capacity with 30,000 fans allowed through the gates each day. They will have to wear masks inside the concourse and when the stadium roofs are closed. Yeah, and in New South Wales, a return traveller has tested positive to the coronavirus two days after leaving hotel quarantine. The Wollongong resident wasn't showing any symptoms and it looks like they've only got a low level of the virus. It was picked up by the state's new post-quarantine follow-up test on day 16. There's a precautionary alert for 11 exposure sites in Sydney and on the south coast. Anyone who's been to one of those places should get a test and self-isolate until they get a negative result. And a Western Australian arson squad is investigating whether six fires that triggered a weekend emergency were deliberately lit. Homes and lives were threatened at Yellingup and Injundup in the southwest, and police have described the blazes as suspicious. Here's Premier Mark McGowan. Someone has deliberately done it, deliberately done it. Well, then that is a disgusting, deplorable, disgraceful act. Um, and no doubt the arson squad will hunt them down uh, and they'd go to jail. Yeah, and they've seen fire and they've seen rain in WA. A major highway in the state's northwest is shut after a once-in-a-decade flood event. The coastal town of Carnarvon saw 150 mils of rain, which is more than they got in the whole of last year. There's a push to make Aussie farmers exempt from the plan to reach net zero emissions. Here's Nationals leader Michael McCormack. We're not going to hurt regional Australia. We're not going to hurt those wonderful people who've put food on our table. We will always back them. We will not unfairly impact them. And that's our commitment. Yeah, so this call comes after the Prime Minister's speech last week where he stepped up the government's ambition on climate change. He said they're aiming to get us to net zero as soon as possible, preferably by 2050. So that's what Michael McCormack's responding to, calling for farmers to be exempt from that plan. Annika, how do you think that call will go from Michael McCormack? Look, this is the policy that New Zealand has put in place, and there's a reason for that. Agriculture is actually really hard to change. It's quite easy to you know, get emissions from electricity lower or waste. There's things we can do, but farming, a lot of it comes from cows, short of you know, becoming vegetarians. It's it's a difficult area to do. Having said that, this will be a point of difference for Labor because it's something the Nats are pushing for. The Nats, of course, are in government with the coalition. They're in the coalition and therefore they have to be listened to. So it might be a little bit difficult for Scott Morrison to ignore these calls from Michael McCormack, who is the National Party leader, given he relies on their votes to be in government. Yeah, and as you say, very interesting to see where Labor go on this one, actually where they go in this whole space now that the Prime Minister is stepping up his ambition. And the pandemic isn't stopping tens of thousands of fans going to the Super Bowl in the US today. Yeah, the Kansas City Chiefs are facing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in front of the smallest crowd in years. The Buccaneers' home stadium will be only about 30% full. The US Centre for Disease Control has urged people not to throw their traditional Super Bowl parties 
And if they do, they're being asked not to cheer or scream to limit the spread of COVID-19. They've even been asked not to go to the bathroom during breaks. Wow. I love it. They're like, don't throw parties. But if you do, just just be a little bit careful. I never know who's playing or what the score is. I usually only know about the biggest ad and who the halftime artist is. And this year, <laughs> it's going to be the weekend, which is pretty cool. Interesting to notice, Annika, COVID numbers are starting to look better in the US. They were peaking in early January. Daily cases got over 300,000 at that point. And they're now down to almost 100,000 per day. So that is some good news. All right, in just a moment, we're going to explain what's going on on the streets of Russia by interviewing one of the founding members of Pussy Riot. A man accusing Vladimir Putin of putting poison in his underpants has sparked mass protests in Russia. Yeah, in this briefing, the story of Alexei Navalny and one of the original Pussy Riot members will explain who he is and why his arrest has sparked mass outrage and mass arrests on Russian streets. Alexei Navalny is one of President Putin's most popular opponents. Last August, he was poisoned with Novichok. Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny is in intensive care and unconscious in the hospital after apparently being poisoned. After getting that intensive care in Berlin, he came back to Russia three weeks ago and he was arrested straight away and locked up for over two years in connection to old charges. Alexei Navalny has been arrested after arriving back in Moscow five months after a near-fatal poisoning. Since then, each weekend there's been mass demonstrations across the country despite the COVID pandemic and severe temperatures in Russia. It's estimated that several thousand people have been arrested. And Pussy Riot have gotten involved as well. They're speaking out in support of Navalny And they've also recorded this song in response to the situation. It's called Rage. Nadia Tolenkonikova is one of the founders of Russian punk protest group Pussy Riot. She was one of the original three members locked up nine years ago after she protested in a Russian Orthodox church over its support for Putin. Nadia, thanks so much for joining us on The Briefing. Why are you speaking to outlets like us? Why do you want people in Western countries to know what's happening to Alexei Navalny? I think uh, if we want to achieve something, we really should uh, be all united together. And, you know, the governments and corporations, they unite together to protect their interests. And I believe uh, the actors should do the same. That's why I'm, uh, I believe that um, not only internal pressure from Russian citizens, but also international pressure can help Russian political prisoners to be on freedom earlier. Tell us a little bit about Alexei Navalny. When did he sort of, I guess, become prominent within Russia? What's his appeal and how popular is he? Alexei um, Navalny is incredibly popular at the moment. Uh, he is uh, known in Russia as the second most popular politician after Putin. Putin uh, is not as loved by a lot of Russian citizens uh, as Navalny. So he is a real competitor to Vladimir Putin. And Putin knows it well uh, as well. That's why he uh, tries to poison him. And when Navalny dared to survive, um, Vladimir Putin put him in jail. Uh, Alexei Navalny rose to prominence through his um, 
anti-corruption investigations that appealed to large masses of people in Russia. Uh, it's really enraging for um, an ordinary Russian citizen that um, the elites live in luxury and have mansions and palaces while uh, teachers and police officers, uh, firemen, they have to survive on a small salary, which is the average salary in Russia is around uh, $400 a month. Uh, for some people, it's obviously even less. You will see that 40% of those who turned out, uh, they never participated in the process action before. And this number is really saying it means that more and more people are joining the protest movement. So what did you think when you heard the story from August where Alexei Navalny was poisoned in Siberia? We later found out that Russian agents had allegedly put Novichok in his underpants. It sounds ridiculous, like a Bond movie, except this is real life, which is scary. What do you think really happened here? And were they just trying to intimidate him? Because I imagine they could have had him killed if they really wanted to, couldn't they? No, I wouldn't follow Putin's um, perverted logic because that was his argument. If we wanted to kill him, we would. Right? Um, they, um, Navalny's investigation that he released after he survived his poisoning, um, Navalny's investigation and his phone call to his uh, the person who was on the poisoning team um, reveals that actually those people are inc- incredibly stupid. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, that's, that's the danger of Navalny's investigations because he shows that the emperor is naked. Navalny's investigation shows that they actually wanted to kill him, but they are not even able to kill their own um, political rival. Mm. So then he comes back to Russia after being in hospital in Berlin. Uh, This happened last month, and he was arrested straight away for breaching parole of an old embezzlement conviction. Did he know this would happen when he got back to Russia? And if so, why did he come back? Obviously, he knew that he was going to be arrested, by, but Navalny is a person of really strong convictions, and um, for sure, he understands that his political weight will be much less if he would decide to stay out of Russia. He still can do it, but um, he, he would not be um, as, um, as popular, right? So uh, if he wants to fight with Putin, he has to, um, and he wants to be uh, the second most prominent politician in Russia, he has to be, he has to fight with Putin in Russia. And he made an act of extreme courage uh, on the 17th of January when he went back to Russia and was immediately uh, arrested. You've obviously been in that situation, locked up because of your, your political actions. What sort of conditions is he being kept in? And do you think he'll end up having to serve that whole two and a half year sentence? It's two years and eight months. Um, I don't think um, it's decided. Um, it's written in stone. Um, the thing is, um, Russian political system is flexible. It may not look like that. But in 2013, when Alexei Navalny was um, imprisoned as well, um, they had to change um their decision um, in one night because people showed up on the streets and they refused to leave until Navalny will be free. And Navalny, um, Navalny was released the, next, the very next day. So I think it's 
a matter, it's really a matter of pressure. It's really up to us to, um, it's really up to us to decide when Ukraine money will be uh, on freedom. What is it about the current situation that has really, I guess, united the Russian people? Putin made a big mistake when he attempted to murder Navalny. They they wanted him to die, but um, the pilot of the plane where Navalny was when he was poisoned, um, uh, when he fell in into coma, right? Uh, he landed the plane, and because of that, Navalny survived. So this series, uh, this series of mistakes that um, Putin made, brought Navalny incredible support among so many Russians. Uh, even those people who were not happy about some political views of Navalny, uh, they support him now because they, they believe that nobody has to be murdered or imprisoned for their political views. And um, they show uh, solidarity, they stand in solidarity with Navalny, even though some of us, including me, we, we, we have different political positions on certain issues. But, um, you know, this incredible satanic oppression that we've seen uh, applied to Navalny made us stand for him. How significant is this momentum compared to other sort of uprisings throughout Russian history? Do you think there will be change or is it enough to pressure Putin to perhaps change his course? I cannot predict the future, but I know that this uh, moment will have long-term consequences in Russian history. And whether it will be in one month or in a couple of years, I think uh, Putin will have to eventually resign because his popularity is falling. Yeah, so I guess it comes back to the the first question about why you're reaching out to, to people in other countries. What role do you think the rest of the world can play in, I guess, changing Russia for the better? Are sanctions a good idea? What do you think of the change in power in the White House? Uh, how do you see the, the role of the, the Western Russia playing out in this situation? I believe that in, um, sanctions, um, individual sanctions, are extremely important and extremely effective. Uh, Nadia, just one last question. There's so much focus on on Putin and wanting to get him out of power. But what sort of life are you actually fighting for? And is it the same thing Navalny's fighting for? What What do you actually want to change? Navalny and his team calls it a beautiful, beautiful Russia of the future. Um, and it's a democratic country with a strong parliament where um, uh, with a representation of different, um, of different political forces and possibly in the beautiful Russia of the future, I will be in a different political party than uh, Alexei Navalny because I'm uh, much more leftist and I feel like my policies and post-right policies are much more progressive than Navalny's policies. But in order to discuss it, um, we need to um, gain an ability to have um, peaceful conversation um, about our political disagreements. So we want to have a functional democratic system in our country which will allow everyone to say whatever they want freely without the danger of being arrested, prosecuted or killed for their beliefs. Fascinating interview there, Annika, with Nadia from Pussy Riot. And interesting there, Annika, that Nadia was saying that she didn't really agree with Navalny's politics. 
I think this is something that often people like Putin and dictators, are, I guess, it works to their benefit when people are split and, and they sort of divide and conquer. So when you have your opposition acknowledge they disagree but unite over what they agree in, it's actually very powerful and it's something that even happens here that you see uh, governments try and pit people against each other. But obviously there's there's a movement, she said, there's people in those protests that don't necessarily agree but are out there because... They feel angry about, yes, the structural problems with Russia. So it's a really powerful thing when people like that unite. Yeah, and they're fighting for the the way of going about political discourse to have openness and, and freedom to debate their different viewpoints on how the country should be run rather than having any kind of dissent shut down. Tomorrow on The Briefing, the story of Sydney's missing financial advisor, Melissa Caddick. A podcast one production.